Welcome to Journaling with Nature, the podcast for those who want to turn curiosity into wonder, a pencil sketch into a rabbit hole of discovery, a moment of stillness into a life full of joy. I'm your host, Bethan Burton. Let's open the pages of our nature journals and explore this world together. Hello, this is episode 122. Firstly, I want to send out a heartfelt message to those folks who support the Journaling with Nature podcast through donations and through Patreon. For those who have recently joined me on Patreon and those who have donated through my website, thank you. Your support means the world. And as well, of course, those who have been long-term supporters of the show, I want to send a big virtual hug to you all. It's your support that makes it possible to do this podcast, and I'm very grateful for that. If you're a listener who enjoys the show and would like to support it for as little as $1 a month, you can do this through Patreon, and a link for this is in the show notes. Today, I'm sharing a conversation that I had with Jamie Solomon. Jamie is a parent educator from Malaysia. She connects with the natural world through her journal and through poetry, and she spends time nature journaling with her children, but always with respect for their desires and needs and without pushing the practice onto them. We talked about the ways that motherhood has sparked Jamie's creativity, the practice of going deep with relationships and nature, and the challenges of nature journaling with the family in the tropics. Let's listen. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Bethan. It's so good to be here with you. It's a morning for both of us on this side of the world. And I'm very excited here and honoured as well. And I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you for doing this podcast so faithfully for many years because I often listen to your podcast when I'm nature journaling. And I'm just so inspired by the speakers and you yourself. Thank you. Oh, that is so kind. And I am really excited to get to know you and your story. And as a podcast listener, you will know that I love to go back and sort of trace the roots of the story and where it all started. And I find that often looking into people's stories, not always, but often there's there's roots in uh, nature experiences in childhood and I'd love for you to describe to me your earliest experiences of nature. Right so I know that you asked this question to your speakers and my first thought when I thought of this question was like no I don't have any nature experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, when I thought about it even more I realized that I do right Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take this time uh, to share my nature experience with you. So I currently live in the city, which is very close to Kuala Lumpur, which is mm-hmm. our capital here in Malaysia. So I'm going to give you a brief uh, history and geography about Malaysia. So I grew up in this small town in Taiping, which is three hours north of Kuala Lumpur. And this town is actually... Uh, it's called Taiping, so in Chinese, it means peace. So it's a very peaceful place to live in. And until today, many retirees go back to live in Taiping because it's just so peaceful. 
So the British came to Malaysia many years ago and they found uh, tin deposits in Taiping. And so they mined the tin there. And after a while, um, after the tin was exhausted, they turned it into a very beautiful garden. So until today, the local council keeps the garden really very beautiful. So I grew up with that beautiful garden right smack in the city. And another thing about Taiping is that it sits um, at the base of one of the hill stations in Malaysia, which is called Maxwell's Hill. So Maxwell's Hill was named after a British gentleman as well. Right? So you see the British influence mm-hmm. in Malaysia. So when I was young, I would uh, go up the hill. So when I was younger as a family, we would go up there by jeep. And when I was stronger, a teenager, we would hike up, you know. So as a family, we would go up there and we would have church camps there as well. So that was a regular practice. So I grew up with a lot of greens, a lot of nature around me, right? So I think that was a good influence for me. Mm. And being a girl from a small town, I was very active as well. You know, going for walks and hikes with my friends. We would cycle around town. We would uh, swim in the river. It was so nice. Yeah. And I was also a girl guide uh, in school. And so it was a lot of uh, outdoor activities for me. I love uh, camping. I love learning to start a fire. I loved cooking outdoors. So this was part of my childhood. And I think my father also played a role uh, in my childhood. My father was a school teacher and he loved gardening. So when he came back from school in the afternoon or in the evening, he would go to his garden and spend hours in his garden. So we had a fairly uh, big garden and uh, he would plant tropical fruit trees. Um, At one stage, he had orchids. And what amazed me was that he knew all the names of the plants. Mm. Up to today, I was like, wow, Dad, you know the names of these plants? Yeah. And let me share with you a short conversation that I had with him when I was young, which I still remember to the, to, today. So there was one day, I think I was about seven or eight years old, and I can't remember the exact details, but I was looking at some birds. And, uh, you know, they were in the garden, and I just happened to ask him, Pa, what birds are these? You know, not really expecting an answer from him. But he told me, oh, that's a sparrow and, and that's a minor. And until today, I was just, you know, I remember I was just blown over by his answer because he knew the names of these birds. Now, these were the common names and not the specific names. But I think that was my first kind of introduction to birding, you know. And I, I still remember that uh, to do, to, till today. So my parents... They were not intentional about teaching us about nature, but it was just, you know, a way of life. You know, if you're in the garden with me, I'll tell you more about this, but I'm not going to pull you out from the house, you know, to take you to the garden and give you a gardening, you know, uh, uh, lesson in the the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was my childhood, Devin. Ah, what beautiful Mm -hmm. memories and how wonderful that your father was that quiet influence, not teaching in any way but just sharing those those names and the experience of being outdoors with you I Mm -hmm. love those memories thank you so much for sharing that welcome I'm really interested to know so you had 
Uh, you gave us this beautiful description of the garden in the city. Um, and I'm wondering what nature looks like where you are and the ways that you personally access nature most often. And I wonder if that's in your garden. Is it in the city parks? Is it in forests? Mm -hmm. I know there's a couple of really important locations for you. And I'd love for you to talk about those places that you access nature in your day-to-day -day life. Right. Okay. So Malaysia sits on the equator and um, it's really hot here because we have this tro tropical climate and it's either really hot certain times of the year or it gets really wet, you know, certain mm -hmm. times of the year. So we have these two uh, extremes in weather. And I would say that it is actually a challenge to Nature Journal in, you know, in such weather conditions. So there are days that, that it's so hot that when you step out of the house, you begin to sweat, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really a challenge. And of course, when it rains, you just can't nature journal outside as well. So we just have to make do. I guess for some uh, some people living in the uh, northern or southern hemisphere, you think that, wow, it's so nice. You have spring and summer all year round. But yeah. it's not the case here. So I'm thinking, you know, the opposite. Wow, you guys have four seasons. So, so that's amazing. So anyway, um, we as a family started nature journaling in 2021. That was during the lockdown. And I think many people started that practice during the lockdown. So we only had our garden uh, and our neighbor's garden to go to. So we started there. And because of the weather, I would plan it in such a way that it would be comfortable for me and especially the kids. So we would do it quite early in the morning. The sun was out, but it wasn't as hot as it could be in the day. So we would go out in the garden and we would uh, do our journaling for about maybe tops 30 minutes. And then we would come in and I wanted the kids to share uh, with each other yeah, what they learned, what I noticed, I wonder, it reminds me of. And I wanted it to be a shared experience between all, all of us. So we did that for quite a while. And when the lockdown eased, we were able to go out more to the city parks, uh, we were able to go out uh, hiking. And so what I did was I usually paired a physical activity with nature journaling. So sometimes I would say, okay, let's go for a hike. And then we will pack our journals in our backpack. And after our hike, uh, we would sit somewhere to nature journal. It didn't always happen because like I said, it's challenging here. And usually after a hike in the tropics, you're just dripping wet. And it's really hard to keep it's really hard to keep your journal dry as well, you know, and the kids are uh, tired, uh, they are sweaty. Sometimes mm. they just tell me, mom, I, I just don't want to do it. And I just let go. I say, okay, that's fine. But can you give me five, 10 minutes to, to nature journal myself? And they would do that. They would do that. They would sit under the fan. If there is a fan, they'll fan themselves and cool down while I try and, you know, maximize that five, 10 minutes that I have. So I think we, we work something out. So, what I'm saying is it's, it's not always easy to uh, journal here. So when we can, we do it. And when we can't, you know, it's okay. We will always have uh, another time. So um, that's what nature journaling uh, looks, for, uh, looks like for us here in our home. But there is a place that we go to very often, and that's called Fraser's Hill, which is about two hours drive away from us. And I mentioned a hill in Taiping, and then there's another hill. So these hills 
were discovered by the British because, you know, they were looking for a cool climate, a place with, you know, a cool climate that they could go to for the weekend because they couldn't go back to mm. England all the time. It's just not possible. So these hill stations in Malaysia, which are still around, was discovered by them. So this hill station that we go to as a family, we went there about seven times last year. So it's like almost every other month that we go there and it's just lovely. So the climate is, of course, completely different and it's so cool. I can spend hours outdoors and I don't sweat, even though I walk so much. And it's just really nice. It's a, a very quaint little town. 92% of this area is still pristine forest. And so it's really back to nature. They have kept development to a very low level, so there's not much development. Uh, many people have mixed feelings. Some people go there and say, oh, it's so boring. Some people go there and say, oh, this is lovely. It's also a birders' paradise, and it's called mm. uh, National Bird Area, IBA. So it has been designated as such. So you get lots of birders going up there. So my nature journaling practice is kind of half-half, half here down in, uh, you know, in where I am in the city and half up there in Fraser's Hill, yeah. Oh, wow. I love that you do it as a family and that, you know, you acknowledge that, yes, there's challenges because of climate. Yes, there's challenges because of kids get bored or they their attention for the process is, is shorter than yours. But you've found, um, you've found ways to get around that. I, lo I love that. And um, you also wrote about how one of your children in particular, but uh, the others as well, loves to bring you nature treasures to uh to journal can you talk about that little relationship where they bring you things to journal right okay so we have four children and my eldest is 18 and my youngest is eight this year so we have three boys and a girl and my my eldest i didn't get a chance to introduce nature journaling to him and i, I kind of think that he's he's past the age of you know being uh uh, taught nature journaling and if he does pick it up it will probably be you know his own discovery or his own journey with nature so yeah. um, I still have a chance with the younger three so my 15 13 and 8 and my youngest I guess being the youngest he is more excitable about things outdoors whereas my teenagers are more you know staying indoors and uh, yeah. yeah not so excited about the world, you know, the outside world as such. So when I nature journal, it's um, our regular practice is go to, to go to the playground, our neighborhood playground every Sunday, uh, late morning, and all six of us will be there. My husband will be playing, you know, sports with the kids. And I would be sitting under shade with my nature journal. Yeah, so that's our regular practice. And um, I don't tell the kids to nature journal during that time. It's really free play for them and time mm -hmm. with your father and so I will be doing it and my youngest uh, one day he just surprised me mom I brought some nature treasures for you I was like wow this is so sweet I mean I didn't ask him to look for you know look look out mm -hmm. for things but he brought a seed he brought a leaf and you know he said I think you will like this please please put it down into your nature journal so that was like a very uh, very sweet gesture you know that he did and it, it's a uh, it's a um, and I definitely put it down in my journal. It's certainly something to remember. And um, since then, he has been bringing, of course, there are times that he forgets to bring, but that's okay. You know, he knows 
that I need your journal and I mom likes these things and you know he, he takes the effort to you know look for things that he, he thinks is interesting that I would like to need your journal so that's that's a sweet memory I have as, as a family that is delightful because you are inviting him into the process even if he's not there with his journal there's mm. a there's a reciprocity there's a relationship with him and your what you pre- what you create in your journal it's it you know he knows that his actions have have led to you drawing that in on your pages which is which is really lovely it is and then when i show him the final page he yeah. gets you know that and it's 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 fun both ways yeah. it's a win-win for, for both of us yeah yeah that's amazing I'd love for you to talk about um a little bit more about motherhood because we um we've talked about coming to nature journaling um but there's also this idea of creativity and um some people believe that or have said to you that uh, oh, you have such a creative talent, which is also, it's always a funny thing to be told because, in fact, it's its a skill that you're developing over time. And you've written about the fact that you feel like motherhood has ignited your creativity in, in all sorts of ways. And I'd love for you to talk uh, to us about creativity and what that means to you and how you came to feel like you are able to be creative and in particular how motherhood sparked that in you. Right. Thank you for that question, Bethan. Um, I think how it started was uh, last year I started uh, posting some of my work on social media, uh, on Facebook and inter- Instagram, particularly Facebook because you know, your friends follow you and so you know mm. the group of people, the, your, your friends that you have. And I think they were as surprised as I was that I could draw, you know. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, some comments would be like, wow, Jamie, you're so talented. Or wow, Jamie, you're so artistic. You know, I didn't know you had this skill. Well, I didn't know I had that as well. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think I... At that moment, I just had that thought, you know, I just wanted to post something encouraging, uh, especially to mothers. I think uh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I think as a stay-at-home mom, sometimes it gets a bit lonely and Mm. you find that you're on your own journey and you're not out there with uh, people. And the nature of your work, because you're looking after children, you know, looking after the home, you don't always see results you know, and they're not immediate, you know, and not like when you're out in the working world, you get, you know, immediate feedback. And being a mother, it takes years and years and years before you actually see something, you know. So it's a long process. And I think sometimes, you know, this motherhood thing, it's it's really important, but it's undervalued and underrated. And so I was, um, I was beginning to draw and I thought that, hey, I, let me use this as an encouragement to encourage mothers because I was reflecting on my own life and I was thinking, where did this thing come from? You know, I'm not artistic, I am not talented, but I'm sure that there is something in my past that has led to this, you know, and I linked it to motherhood and I just like to give you two examples uh, that I wrote about in the post. And the first is about, you know, making meals, Um as a mom, uh, working or non-working, I think that many times, you know, our fridge 
has a lot of, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, uh, leftovers here and there, uh, be it cooked food or just, you know, raw ingredients. And it doesn't fit perfectly into a recipe, you know. You can't open a recipe and say, oh, I have exactly, you know, these, these types of food in my fridge. And so many times I've had to take this, a bit of this, a bit of this, a bit of this, uh, and come up with this uh, dish X, Y, Z, you know, and it's edible, you know, and I discover like, hey, I created something new, you know. So that's one example. And the other example I thought of was clothing. And uh, having four kids, we have quite a bit of clothing for the kids. And because we are, uh, well, a relatively big family, people tend to give us Lots of hand-me-downs as well. Okay, you have four kids. Okay, just take it. So we end up having lots of, you know, clothes. And sometimes it's it's not a perfect match, you know. Uh, maybe the shirt is torn, but the pants, you know, you can still use it. And, and, and you know, you get the idea. So I think another area of, of creativity is where I've learned to mix and match clothing. Okay, let's take a blouse from here. Let's take a, a skirt from here. Let's take the, a, a, a matching pair of socks from here. And then you look decent, you know. So I yeah. think that through through the years, um, and my eldest is eighteen, so I've got well quite quite a number of years of experience, just learning uh, to put things together and making it work, has honed my uh, creative skills, and I think that has you know uh, you know well uh, found an outlet in in art, you know, and and that has come much later. Yes, it makes me so happy to hear you make that connection because yes, motherhood is deeply undervalued in our society and the the need for creativity and thinking on your feet and problem solving and all these things is um, is something that we deal with every day and yes. your your story about the food reminded me of my own mum who I remember ad, as an adolescent standing in front of the fridge and looking in the fridge and thinking oh there's nothing to eat at all we've got mm -hmm. no food in the fridge and my mum would say oh I'll cook something and she'd make right. this gourmet meal out of nothing it was like <laughs> so nice it was like magic and yes. I love that you recognize that as the source of your creativity and I'm wondering what happened next so you said you found um nature journaling during the lockdown and you started developing this this seed of creativity inside you as an expression in drawing I wonder mm -hmm. how that happened how did you find nature journaling how did you start drawing okay so um just a bit of background. I'm a parent educator, so I homeschool our our mm -hmm. children. They were young, and when we started, we used uh, this um, approach uh, philosophy from Charlotte Mason. So basically, uh, Miss Mason was a British educationist, and she, uh, you know, she was uh, a, a strong promoter of nature mm -hmm. studies, and um, so I was exposed to her teaching. Uh, very early on and but because the kids were young and because of the challenges in climate that I shared with you it was always here I was like wow it would be so nice one day one day I'll be able to do it with my kids so it was it's always been here and um, in 2017 I believe I I through you know the homeschool network as well I came across John Moylor's uh, website and again I was like wow, this is so amazing. One day, one day we are going to do it, you know. And 
uh, I think it, it, it happened in only in 2021 uh, during the lockdown. And I'm glad it started, although it was a little bit late, but, you know, not too late. Yes, so we were at home and, we, of course, we couldn't go out. And I thought, yeah, now is the best time and the best place because we do have a garden. It's not a big garden, but, you know, we can start here. So what we did was I would show them, I think John Moyos has this short video series called Nature Connection, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. We did it for... I think school children, you know. So it's a very short video, about 10, 12 minutes. And these video series are topical. So they teach a new skill each time. And so what we would do is what is at the beginning of the week, uh, when we're having lunch, I would just put on the, the, the iPad for them and say, okay, let's watch this while we're having our meal. And it's very easy to learn. You know, it's very enjoyable, his videos. And so... Um, then once we we you know we have learned that skill on uh, from the video, uh, during the week I would plan for us to practice what we learn you know in uh, outside in our garden, and so that worked for us uh, in twenty twenty one. It wasn't a weekly thing, you know? It was more like a, a monthly thing, and mm -hmm. but even for that, I'm so grateful. So uh, we did that first in our garden and then neighbor's garden and eventually uh, we would go out to, to Nature Journal when we have hikes or when we you know, have picnics uh, in the playground, we would try as much as we could. Um, so in 2022, I wanted to take it up a notch for myself and mm -hmm. I didn't want to impose it on my children. Okay, let's do more of it. Because I was mindful that, you know, I, although I love nature journaling and I think that's the best practice, I didn't want to push it down, you know, push it down. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't want to make it um, not fun for them. So I decided that for myself, I was going to be more serious about this because I was kind of still in the lockdown and I still was at home quite a lot. And I thought, okay, why not? Let me just be more serious about it. So uh, last year in February, I made a commitment to myself that I would uh, nature journal once a week, just once a week, which was doable for, for me. And so usually that happened in the weekend when, you know, everything else was done with and I had some time by myself, uh, for myself, and I would nature journal. And I told myself that to keep this practice up, I'm going to start posting on social media, particularly on the Facebook uh, nature journal page as well. So I think that kind of created that, you know, accountability for me. Okay, this is my commitment. It wasn't to anybody. It was just to me, mm -hmm. but it worked. it worked. And I started that way every week, every week, every week. And just, you know, thankfully up to today, I'm still doing it, you know. So it has been one year of fairly consistent practice. I mean, I've not, of course, there were periods of time where I could not nature journal and, uh, when kids were sick or when we were just, you know, our schedule was just uh, different. But in general, I've kept up this practice and I'm so glad I, I've done that. Yes, that sounds so meaningful that you found this beautiful practice and you've made that commitment to yourself to do this mm -hmm. because it's important for so many, for so many reasons. And I'm wondering now that you've sort of hooked in with the networks um, globally, I'm wondering about the nature journal networks in Malaysia and whether there are, is there a big community doing it there or is it a small seed community that we hope will grow in the future? Well, actually the nature journaling community 
um, I didn't know of anybody in Malaysia who was nature journaling until I started posting my work on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then I began to uh, get to know some individuals who were nature journaling. And some of them would uh, reply, either private message me or just comment my post. And that's how I came to know uh, about them. There is no network, to say, in Malaysia. It's a very uh, new practice. And so there is no community like, you know, like maybe what you have in Australia in Brisbane or, of course, in you know, America. But we don't have a community here. Uh, nature is, uh, I think, because of the pandemic, uh, many people do appreciate nature more and more. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, because of the international restrictions in travel, that made a lot of people travel in Malaysia. And thanks to mm-hmm. social media, a lot of beautiful areas were discovered. Many people started going hiking, camping, and wow, I, I, I didn't know Malaysia was so beautiful. You know, I, I do want to go to Borneo one day. It's just so beautiful. And just to see the beauty of, of that place. So um, we don't have actually a, a network or a community here in Malaysia yet. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> I, I'm just co- trying to connect, uh, you know, individually with, um, uh, uh, with uh, individuals who practice nature journaling in Malaysia. Uh, but uh, like I said, there are nature artists, there are wildlife photographers and, you know, different people, uh, you know, engage with nature in a different way. But uh, nature journaling, not yet. Yeah, so it's, it's I would say, a fairly new practice. Hmm. It's lovely that you said yet because I think that there's so much scope for people connecting and uh, yeah, just meeting up with people, inspiring each mm-hmm. other and, and just realizing, oh yeah, that's what I do. And sometimes people are doing it without even knowing and that's uh, right. making those connections is really important and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've been doing it for some time now and you you say that your confidence has grown and your style has changed a bit over that time. And I'm really interested to hear more about the changes that you've noticed in your journaling practice over the time that you've been doing it. Yes, I think that, uh, you know, when I started, it was with very simple tools. I just had a paper and a pencil and an eraser. And it wasn't even a proper sketch paper it was just a normal paper uh, mm-hmm. again this was in back in 2019 um, and we were on a family holiday in Fraser's Hill the hill that I mentioned earlier and I just wanted to try drawing yeah I've never drawn since school and that's a long time mm-hmm. you know I just took art classes in school and that was it I never had the confidence and I think that affected my desire to draw as well so I never had that, you know. But like I said, because of our homeschool journey with the kids, I came to know about nature journaling. I thought, I do really need to try and start somewhere. And so I sat down in the park bench, on a park bench in uh, Fraser's Hill. I had that time to myself. The kids were not with me. And I brought out my, you know, my simple tools. And I just drew what was in front of me. And I spent three hours sitting there, just drawing, erasing, just making lines. It was all black and white. And, you know, that three hours just went by so quickly. 
and I was I was feeling so happy, you know, to be able to do that. And when I looked at my finished work, I was like, I think I can draw, you know. Yeah. And showed, <laughs> wow. Later, I showed it to my husband, and he is the creative one in the family. He's a designer, so he has that flair, and you know, I don't like to use the word talent, but he has the eye, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. things like that. And he looked at me and said, oh, wow, I didn't know you had this in you. And I took it as an encouragement, you know. So I started with really basic tools, just a pencil, a paper and eraser. And I then, you know, um, decided to add some color to it. And I wasn't willing to invest in any set yet. I just used my children's, you know, color pencil set and that's, I, I really took my time, you know, to use whatever I had with me at home. Yeah, because I, I mean, my philosophy is that if I can get it done with whatever I have, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of money uh, buying something that I may regret later on. And, and furthermore, I was very new in this, you know, whole whole journey of nature journaling. I just really wanted to take my time to discover um you know, the whole practice, because to me, it wasn't the tools as well. It was what the practice was doing for me and what mm-hmm. I was discovering through the practice. And I didn't need special tools for that. Yeah. So I really was just enjoying the whole process. And um, yeah, so I mentioned that I made a commitment to myself early last year to start, uh, you know, uh, nature journaling really start nature journaling and I got some I decided to invest in some books again not expensive ones but just some better quality paper and I uh, did some research about color pencils as well and I eventually got a set of uh, watercolors so it was really a very slow progression and I just added this a little bit here and there. Then the next step, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I didn't buy a whole lot of stuff because I didn't, I knew I wouldn't, uh, you know, be using them really well then. Yeah. So, um, and just, just to maybe encourage the listeners, I really started with zero knowledge about this whole thing. <laughs> I didn't know there was such thing as watercolor paper. I didn't yeah. know there was, you know, squirrel fur brushes. I didn't know so many things, you know, and I just want to share with you a joke here. So I, I was looking at different color, uh, watercolors, and I know you have those branded ones, the uh, Winsor Newton, you have the Daniel Smith, and, and this honestly was way out of my league, uh, you know, last year, and it's still something that I'm working towards, but not yet. So anyway, I came across this Winsor and Newton set uh, on Shopee, which is our online shopping platform here in Malaysia and I looked at it and I was like this is 10 ringgit I was like wow this is such a good deal and a 10 ringgit is like 2 US dollars 3 US okay. dollars <laughs> like no way you know I'm going to get the set and so I bought it and I was so pleased with my you know with my purchase and I used it for months and months and I, I didn't know that it wasn't the real thing until one day I just don't want it. But uh okay, I think I bought an imitation set. <laughs> Not the real thing. But then I thought like, hey, you know, um I actually used that set for so for so yeah. long. It served me. 
And you know what? I am still using that set up to today. And uh, I think it was Roseanne Hansen that said that, you know, she because she uses a very minimal set of colors mm. and she said that, you know, to go deep into what you have instead of, you know, just buying different things. And mm-hmm. so I thought oh, that's really a very practical suggestion, which I, I want to, you know, adopt. And so I've just been using that set of 12 colors. It's a cheap set, it's an imitation set, but it works for me. So I think for me, it's not so much the tools because I think that if I if I go too fast into the tools and then it just becomes, you know, a practice in making something beautiful, which mm-hmm. I, I want it to be that way because I really uh, appreciate and enjoy the process of nature journaling more than the the, the output, you know, the finished work. Of course, I like to look at something pretty and it does help to, wow, I, I, I did a pretty page. It looks nice. But, you know, many times it's more what it has done for me, the, you know, the effect that it has on me and the changes that I see uh, or, or even, you know, the thought processes that I've had. It's just wonderful, the whole, whole practice, yeah. Yes, well, let's dive a little bit deeper into that because we have the tangible changes that we can see when we've been nature journaling for a while and there are obvious changes about the style we're using or the techniques or the or the uh, the materials. But then there's also mm-hmm. the changes internally, aren't there? They're less tangible but so significant. The, the changes that nature journaling makes within us and I'm wondering you touched on it a little bit but I'm wondering for you about how nature journaling has changed you as a person I think nature journaling uh, has allowed me to to slow down a lot uh, and I think um, I mean it's it's not new for me because I do like to slow down and prior to coming to nature journaling I've kept a diary for many 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 years and so I am comfortable with, you know, pouring myself out on paper. And uh, I think that that practice is, you know, going deep to understand myself and, you know, whatever I'm going through. And so that has been a process or a way of life that I've had uh, for a long time. So when I started Nature Journaling, that process uh came along with me into nature journaling. And so I I do like to, you know, go deep into my page or my exploration. And I, I it often uh, becomes a time for me to reflect on maybe what's going on in life or and I I, I get the chance to it's like it's like nature journaling is like a trigger you know, that leads me into further exploration uh, about myself, yeah. And many a times my page, my nature journal page, is not in a strict sense a, a nature journal page where you have the I notice, I wonder, it reminds you of, mm-hmm. but it has, uh, it's like a diary entry, you know. So I may be taking a walk in the park and, I, and then I collect, you know, you know, whatever I find that I want to put on my page and then I draw it. And then when I start writing, you know, the words just begin to flow. Okay, I may start with something like, okay, the metadata, of course, you know, and then where I am, or oh, this is what I'm doing, the weather is like that. And then, I, you know, it's very natural for me for that to be, uh, uh, to flow, 
you know, for that for that external thing to flow then into me, for me to be able to connect with nature. I don't really know how to explain it, but it, it's something um, that I find is easy for me to do. And so it, it then becomes like a diary page for me, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how I go uh, deep to understand myself even more. So many times my pages, I don't show them to people because they are really yes. private. You know, yes. my thoughts, my feelings at that time. And uh, of course, you know, when it's it's less of that, then I, I'm comfortable with showing people. But uh, I think my nature journal pages are just uh, a really a, a mix of everything. Sometimes it's more scientific. Sometimes it's more about me. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, somewhere in between. And I, I like that uh, it's it's a, a platform for me to, you know, explore myself. I don't always have the answers to everything, of course, but it's just something for me to help me think more clearly about life. Mm. Mm. That's a lovely way to express it, help you explore and think more clearly about life. Yes, that's right. And you have mentioned it a few times just in passing, but you also have written about it that you prefer to go deep with something then go go wide and I really believe that this is valuable and important in our relationships you know having deep relationships where you mm-hmm. are committed and uh, invested in in growing something with someone else uh, be it a partner or a friend if friendship or a family member uh, then having just hundreds of friends that you never really go deep with and I think it's the same like you said for our tools uh, getting to know something really well or uh, exploring nature the things that we uh, the things that we spend time with and really get to know in nature mm-hmm. deeply is is it it's there's something um really profound about that I think and I'd love for you to talk about that experience in your life what that looks like for you this idea of Mm -hmm. going deep rather than spreading yourself wide right okay um so I mentioned that I've been keeping a diary for for many years and I think that has really helped me to connect with myself and I think that I uh I do connect with myself or I understand myself uh, a lot more than how people would understand themselves. And uh, I love having a cup of coffee with a friend and just going deep, you know, uh, in conversation. And I have a handful of friends that we that I meet with regularly and we just talk about, you know, really deep stuff. And I think that's really important for anyone to have a close group of friends to go deep. And let me give you an example of going deep. Um, so I, I, I like to have, um, mini projects for myself I think that helps me keep going in terms of nature journaling and it, it gives me some structure and not like oh what do I do today you know so uh, currently I am uh, learning about the backyard birds in Malaysia so it's my own project for me to learn and my first bird um, that I started on is called the yellow vented bobo and I just started this last month so March and now it's April and I'm still on this bird so let me give you an example of going deep. So there's one day I just, you know, had a blank page and I look at some pictures on the internet and I started sketching it in black and white. So I sketched the whole bird. And then the next moment I thought, okay, let me just focus on the eye, you know, and mm. I just sketched the eye. You know, that for me is an example of going deep. 
and then I sketch the beak. That's like a zoom in, you know, zoom in, zoom out kind of practice. And then I sketch the beak and I was looking at them and like, wow, this, this is so beautiful. You know, birds have such beautiful eyes. And I didn't know that, you know, you won't know that until you start drawing. And then I decided, okay, the wing is going to be a challenge, but I, I do want to try, you know. So it was uh, a, a practice of uh, observation, but it was also trying to up my uh, my sketchy techniques, you know. So it was a kind of two-in-one. So it was, uh, you know, a big task for me. I'm not a birder, but, you know, I thought, okay, let me try and just copy, you know, uh, draw, draw really. And so um, the next week, I thought, okay, let me do something about this yellow vented bubble. So it was all pure sketches, all in graphite. And then I thought, okay, let me go in with colour this time. So I drew another two birds and I put in some colours. So that is my example of going deep into a particular subject, right? And then um, I was so excited when a neighbour friend, who is also my friend on Instagram, discovered that I'm doing this. And she said that, you know what, there, are, there is a nest, a yellow vented bubble nest in my front porch. And I'm going to give you this nest when, when you know, the birds have uh, fledged and, and they don't need the nest anymore. And I was like, wow, this is so amazing. This is really, really going deep for me. You know, I just can't wait to get my hands on this nest and just have a few pages of really understanding this bird. And it's not just... Um, drawing this bird but it's also learning to understand the calls and the songs that this bird makes and I like uh, to know as much as possible you know about a particular object or you know subject that I'm studying so for me uh, that is one aspect of going deep but there's also another aspect of going deep that uh, because we talked about how it helps me to connect with myself Mm. and this happened last year so I was starting uh, nature journaling and I found that there were many times that when I was journaling because of the connection that I had with the the subject the object and because it helped me to connect with myself I found myself you know um, just expressing myself in poetry you know and so when I was drawing something like even a dead leaf you know the leaf that I found on the ground that was decaying Actually, I called I call that brown beauty and that became the title of one of my poems. And I just looked at this, I was drawing and drawing and this thoughts just started connecting in my mind, you know, about this brown thing, it's dead, it's dying, but still, you know, in that process, it's teaching me something, you know. And there was that, yeah, going deep connection with something uh, that's dying, you know. I I drafted this poem and I really like it because it was my first poem and it was, um, it's actually about aging, right? So it was, it was an issue that I was going through, you know, I'm in my 40s and I'm aging, you know, and this, this leaf helped me to understand that aging is beautiful, you know, that aging even when this leaf is aging, it's decaying, yet it's giving me something. And I was thinking, yeah, even when I'm aging, I'm growing old, I still have so much to offer, you know, to others, or, you know, in my, my family, my friends. And it was very inspiring. So that's that's another way I have gone deep. And I like to, you know, um, start with something, just leave it 
kind of open for a little while, not close it. And then sometimes the thoughts come back in, in a different way or angle. And then I explore it more and then I leave it until I feel that it's done. Then I find, mm. oh, okay, I find some closure in it, you know. So I it takes sometimes uh, two weeks, three weeks, even a month uh, before I finish exploring something. So that's that's how I go to Tibetan. Wow. I love that you let poetry and nature teach you things about life. And I think that that's really important. And I have done the same thing, uh, particularly with aging, because um, perhaps we're a similar age and um, watching nature change over time is is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And to take that lesson and say my own maturing and growing older and changing and developing in different ways is beautiful as well it's it's a very special thing to take a lesson from nature I love that you did that through poetry as well let that the words sort of sink into you let the message go Mm -hmm. deeper inside you and you you uh, turn some of your poetry into an ebook is that right yes so what happened was um, in March and April last year, my family, my whole family was down with COVID. And while they were suffering, I was thinking this is the best time of my life because I don't really have to cook. I don't really have to do lessons with you. I'm at home and you are in bed and I have time to myself. And it was about three weeks. And honestly, Bethan uh, and my family knows this. I tell them that it was a really good season for me because I... It was a period of inspiration and I've never felt inspired like how I did last year. And so it, mm. it has a special place in my mind and in my heart. So I started nature journaling and I would take, you know, like for example, the leaf and it would turn, I'd turn it into a poem. And then the next day I would like, okay, I want to draw this and then turn it into another poem. So in about a few weeks to two months, I had a compilation of uh, 15 art pieces with their associated poems. And I, again, I've never done this in my life, so I was like, oh, this is amazing, you know. What do I do with this? <laughs> I had this question, you know, what do I do with this? I mean, I think we, we all sometimes question this. Is this just for fun? Is this a hobby? Or, you know, is there more to it, you know, that I can do with these things, you know? I, I shared some of these on, on social media, but not, not all of them. I, I had this question in my mind and I was thinking, what do I do with it? And one day I uh, I came across this book, which is a very old book. And this lady, Betty Yao in Malaysia, she wrote this um, um, book. Uh, it's a poetry book and she had 18 poems in it. And she wrote about everything from Brussels sprouts to lizards to chickens to dogs. And she, of course, wrote about serious stuff as well. And I oh, this is my answer, you know, and if, you know, she could do it, I think I can turn my poems and my art pieces into a book as well. Now, I again, I didn't want to spend money printing a book and I just, I called it an e-book, but it's actually really a compilation of uh, my art pieces and a poem uh, at that time. So, um, yeah, so in, in a span of a few months, I, you know, again, was reflecting on my life and I was thinking, I became an artist, I became a, a poet, and I became an author. 
So it's like, wow, yeah. this is so amazing. You know? Big. It's and really big. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really big. And so, I mean, that gave me more inspiration and more encouragement to keep on going. Yeah. So um, that's that's what happened with all the poems. And I, I've since written many, many more poems. So I've got about like 50 poems uh, in all. Wow. Of course, I, I, I like some of them more than I like others. And, but, you know, it's, I, I like them because they are my life, you know, yes. and I, I am in that poem and that poem has affected me. So it's a very strong connection. Every time I write a poem, there's always a strong connection with the poem itself. And that makes it very, very special. Yes, that is really special. And so you have this, you know, this new this new life essentially there's something very important that's growing inside you and you sometimes call art you've you've written about how art is a connector of sorts and I wonder if you can talk a little about art as a connector and and the ways that it's connected you with other people but also uh, with yourself your internal landscape you know, you with nature, with your own faith, because I know that faith is important to you. Uh, I'm just interested in all the different ways that art, you would say art and nature journaling is, is a connector. Thanks for that question, Bethan. Yeah, so let me start with art as a connector with strangers. So I think the first time I experienced this was when we went for a holiday last year in June and we, uh, six of us, we were living on a boathouse for four days. And we were uh, on a lake uh, in, in Malaysia together with 40 other people and they were all strangers, you know. Mm-hmm. And being in a boathouse for four days and not being able to go out until, you know, we are moored uh, to a certain you know place, uh, you know, makes it uncomfortable because you're with strangers. But it, it, it's also a good opportunity to learn to make friends and to connect with people. And um, so what I would do was, it wasn't intentional, but I was just, you know, I brought my nature journal and, you know, the boat was moving most of the time slowly and uh, we had books to read and all, but I brought my nature journal as well. And so I would sit, uh, you know, uh, by the boat, in the boat, you know, at different locations and I'll be looking out and drawing, sometimes standing, sometimes sitting and people would appear over my shoulder and just look at what I was doing. And um, and so I think that, that art is a connector. It's a very good icebreaker. So many times they would look and I would look back and sometimes we just we would just exchange a smile, you know, and, and that was a good start to it. And there were language barriers as well because uh, there were some people who, you know, uh, couldn't speak English so well and I couldn't speak their Chinese dialect so well. And so we couldn't uh, communicate but I remember one elderly parent just looking up at me and smiling and doing this, you know, mm, after the thumbs up. <laughs> it was so nice. It was so nice that we could connect in a non-verbal way. Mm. But um, let me give you more examples. So uh, I think as I did it more often, as the days went by, people got more comfortable and said, oh, can I pull up a chair and sit next to you? And I just want to see what, what you're doing. And I said, sure, you know. And many times they started conversing with me. Said, oh, I, I see you like drawing. I actually like drawing too. Um, hmm. You know, 
then they would start opening up and you know then they would say maybe oh I like I, I write poems as well I write poems in Chinese and I said wow that's so amusing what do you write about and then we would start conversations and it was so easy to talk because you know uh, art I think uh, a nature journal is very it's a very neutral subject and people do not feel threatened by it you know, and there was one man, you know, he just also sat down with me, one young man, and he was thinking about his future. And I think what I was doing just, uh, you know, gave him that um, that idea to talk to me about his plans for the future. So I feel like nature, I feel like drawing. I say, yes, uh, is it something you're passionate about? Oh, yes, I say, I'm, I'm passionate about and what about you? What are, what are your dreams? Oh, then he started, you know, I, I have this, 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 this. And I think at the end of the whole trip, I just felt that I gained so much, you know, from it. And I just made so many friends. There was one mom, single mom, who came for this trip. And after, you know, looking at my work, she just started pouring out her feelings to me. And I, it was, it was not surface conversation, many of these, mm. it was intimate and I think that uh, nature journaling just gave you know was the right springboard to to spring into these topics and it was a very special time uh, a very special holiday uh, for me yeah so that's how I connect with strangers um, uh, with nature journal and um, I, I think that true it's a way for me to connect with myself as well especially through poetry and like how I mentioned, I like to go deep. And um, it helps me to uh, tune into myself. It helps me to tune into my surroundings. And um, I have, um, uh, it has helped me many times to understand my faith as well. So I have a Christian faith. And many times when I connect with nature, and because Faith is something that is really a part of you and you can't separate it from your life, you know. And when I look at things or when I, you know, perceive things, my my faith would naturally, uh, you know, be part of it, be part of that process. It would uh, kind of filter my lens about how I see things. So when I see nature, that faith part of me would naturally come in. And many times when I write uh, or, you know, write a poem, there would be that faith aspect because... I, I see God in, in nature, you know, I see his handiwork in nature. And so it, for me, art is a place that brings a lot of things in my life that would naturally be separate and it connects everything for me. So that, that's how, uh, you know, meaningful it is because it helps me make more sense uh, of, you know, the, the separate or disparate things that would, you know, uh, in my life so it has helped me to understand uh, my faith more and uh, because you know uh, God is a big part of my life and and so I do write about uh, that in my poems yes it's lovely to hear you talk about that I think it's really it is again about going deep deep with connections uh, with others and with yourself and in the very beginning you told me a story about how your dad was important for you quietly exposing you to nature and there was a moment where you had a creative moment with your father would you tell that little story yes okay so my dad is quite advanced in age now when he was young he was really active 
Uh, I mentioned earlier that he was an avid uh, gardener. I would call him uh, my botanist, yeah, and he was an amateur birder as well. And uh, when he was really young and like a small fit, you know, he was really active. Uh, he would, besides gardening, he was you know playing football with my brothers. And when he was younger, he would go into the jungles of Malaysia, look for nice pieces of wood, and then bring it out and treat it, you know, until it, it looked so beautiful. And he would hang it on a wall, it would be really beautiful, nice wall pieces. And he was also into things, crafty things like copper tooling. So copper tooling is, is quite soft copper. And he would, you know, I don't know, dexterously with his ability and with the tools, he would carve something beautiful out of that copper and again he would put it on the wall and I remember once when we were young I think 12 maybe he taught us you know my brothers and I we were sitting uh, at home and he taught us how to paint and until today I remember that it was a seaside scene with a boat at the side and with coconut trees you know uh, just at the shore and some wooden houses and yeah, so he, he did play a big role in my life now that I think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I remember my childhood, I remember my dad playing that role. So that was once that we were on a short holiday against, again in Fraser's Hill. And because my dad is pretty old now, he has a, you know limited ability to move around. And uh, so I was nature journaling. I brought some, a flower, a pink flower, and a seed back home to the apartment. And he was just sitting. He likes to sit and look at what I'm doing. And that was a very mm-hmm. special moment between us. And I just thought, hey, Dad, why don't you you try? You know, it's it's not difficult to to you know draw. You you have the skill. Okay, you have done it before. And he was saying, oh, I haven't done this for so long. And you know, uh, I said, you know, just try it. And my mom was in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. You should do it. You should do it. You know. So I gave him a. a and so uh, a paper and a pen and yeah, he, he, he drew it. He drew his, uh, the flower and that seed and I said, wow, well done. This is your start, you know, to, to nature journaling. And it, well, he hasn't taken it up since, but uh, I'm glad that we shared that moment yes. of connection with each other. And um, he has a beautiful garden still. and But because of his limited mobility, it does keep him from going out too much and but yeah it was a nice moment of connecting uh, with uh, you know someone special in my life over over nature journaling yes how special I think that's really these it's it's life is about these moments isn't it it's about these moments when we make a connection with someone else or with nature or just those life is made up of those points and if we remember mm-hmm that they're special if we remember to value them then we can have a really full rich life that we will look back on later and and realize yes those moments were were gold (laughs) that's right that's right tell me about what keeps you going when you come up against challenges or limitations what what's keeping you going i think um one challenge that I mentioned is is the weather here. And because I like to nature journal as a family, um, it does limit our ability to do as much as I, I you know I would like. But I think we've overcome this challenge by doing it in the hills. So I tell myself, okay, we can't do it here now, every day at least, but when we go for our holiday, 
we can we can do it. Um, another challenge that I had was learning to draw. So I mentioned that uh, I had this fear of drawing and this you know conf- this lack of confidence about drawing. And but I knew I really wanted to to take up this practice. I I love nature and I love the journaling practice. I've done it for so long. So the combination of nature journaling was like, wow, this is explosive. <laughs> and I want to be part of, I want to do this. And I knew that I had to overcome uh, a fear of drawing. And I, I would say, I wouldn't really call it a fear, but just that, um, just like lack of skill or practice or know-how of where to start, what to do, you know. And um Two, two quotes help me to overcome this, and I'd just like to share them. One is very common among the nature journaling circle, which says that, you know, you're not learning to draw, but you are learning, uh, you're drawing to learn. And that was a big mind shift change for me because then I was able to reframe that and think that, oh, this is really not about drawing, and it's about learning, and I'm really big on learning. Wow, let's do it, you know. And um, the other quote I'd like to share with you uh, comes from uh, Charlotte Mason, uh, the British educationist that I mentioned earlier. And this is what she said in her book. This is what we wish to do for children in teaching them to draw. To cause the eye to rest, not unconsciously, but consciously, on some object of beauty, which will leave in their minds an image of delight for all their lives to come. So that was a game changer for me because what she was saying, I mean, she simplified drawing for me. She was saying that, well, if you can see, you can draw. And I was thinking, yes, of course I can see. And if I can see, yes, I can draw. So that those two quotes, uh, sayings, helped me to overcome my initial challenge of uh, resistance uh, to drawing. And I think that's, yeah, no looking back now. I, I've made progress. Uh, and of course, I still try to improve my drawing by, you know, learning uh, online from online classes and all that. But that was, um, that helped me to to start, you know, uh, drawing. Um, challenges, I think uh, time is always a challenge, but I, you know, I accept it as, as something as uh, you know, this is the stage of my life. I think we all go through different stages of our lives and different seasons. And uh, for yourself, probably, you know, your child is young. Yes. That's a certain season of your life. My kids are growing up. I've got teenagers to, you know, to manage at home. That's quite challenging. And um, so I, I try and just make do with whatever time that I have and just accept that, yeah, why, you know, even if I may not have as much time as I would like to, I'm still learning, you know, and I'm still enjoying it when I get the chance to do it. And I think one more challenge I'd like to share is just um, about about uh, nature journaling as a family. So I mentioned that we like to uh, go up together and nature journal at the end. But I'm also recognizing that different people, different my children, my husband, they connect with nature differently. So I don't want to be a nature journal snob and say that, oh, this is the only way that you do it. This is the best way. And you cannot do it you know, any other way. So my husband is a very good example of how he connects with nature. So I mentioned that he's a designer. So he's always problem solving and all that. So he likes to observe. So he likes nature. He likes to observe nature. 
And his way of doing it is that he will look at, for example, a spider web. He will look at it. He will use his phone camera, take pictures of the spider web from different angles, even take a video uh, of it. And that's his way of connecting. And he, he does that quite often, even in his work life. And he would take you know pictures of how a cat behaves or how a grasshopper he sees. And then when he comes home, he would tell us, hey, hey, come, come, let me show you what happened today, what I saw today. And so he's really high on curiosity, which is amazing because it's something that, you know, I should learn because, you know, we want to be curious when we are in nature. And he also likes to take time lapses of cloud movements. And um, that's his way, again, of connecting with nature. So it's mainly through technology, which is fine with me, you know. And so I'm learning. It's not a challenge, I guess, but just learning to understand that different people have their own way of connecting with nature and learning that my children have their own way of connecting with nature as well. So we often go for walks. Like I said, my teenagers are like, mm, this doesn't really interest me anymore. But I think as a mother, I still try to, you know, put in a bit of that nature in them. And sometimes I just say, oh, okay, let's uh, all look for one bird today. And then you can tell me what bird you saw and... Sometimes after five seconds, they forget what I say. And then we don't, we don't do that, right? But I, I'm hoping that you know, one day when they're on their own or with their families, they will remember the wise words of their mother and say, yeah, my mother used to say this, you know, look at this bird. Let me, let me look for a bird now, you know. And yeah, I, I think that, you know, these little things that we do as well, it's not lost. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere. It's part of them. And just, just letting them explore nature on their own I think just letting them form their own connections is something that I have learned to accept yeah yes how beautiful how beautiful that you are planting seeds inside them without without expectations without putting your own agenda on them but just and also modeling a love of nature and a curiosity and also recognizing that yes people connect make that connection you make that connection through your nature journal and a lot of the people listening also make their connection through the nature journal and other people make a connection through a photograph or paying close attention um, through technology in whatever way and those are all wonderful valid ways of making a nature connection too Mm -hmm. I think your philosophy is very wise and beautiful thank you so you started, uh, you've got this new amazing thing happening inside you, creativity, uh, a love of nature journaling, and you've started sharing that through teaching nature journaling. And I, I would love to hear more about your, uh, well, you started your uh, posting things online, nature and art with Jamie and a YouTube channel, but also in-person nature journaling and I, I I love to see what's growing here and and I'd like to hear about your experience, you know, taking this thing that you found and sharing it with others mm-hmm. through through this. Yes. Um, I never planned for this to happen. <laughs> I think that the journey of nature journaling has really been a very surprising journey for me and it has helped me to pick up new skills, not just, you know, about science and about art, mm-hmm. but about technology, about uh, event management even, you know, <laughs> skills 
related to technology. Like, how do I post this? You know, initially, I did not have any Instagram account. And I was like, oh, what do I do? You know, I had to ask my children to help me. And then, you know, starting a YouTube channel was like, okay, I know I have to start somewhere. And I, I just like the learning that uh, takes place when I am challenged to do things that I've never done before. So teaching nature journaling was was not my intention. And um, I think coming uh, from, an, uh, uh, as a parent educator, I think there is something in me that, uh, you know, likes to teach. And mm-hmm. maybe other people see it more than I, I see it. And what happened was, yeah, I just, you know, was posting my stuff on, on social media. And there was um, one time my husband and his friends, uh, they were going to Fraser's Hill and uh, they just asked me, oh, can you do a story walk uh, of Fraser's Hill? I was like, okay, I haven't done that before. But then I was thinking that I am probably, you know, a good person to do it because I've had so much experience there. And I, I do not want to discount that fact. And I thought, okay, I will do, need to do research, you know. I would need to, to share accurate facts about uh, Fraser Hill. And, you know, so I had to uh, research and probably rehearse a few times. And uh, But I did it. It was the first time last year, which I did it. And um, it was my first time. So story walk meeting. I would tell stories and then we would take a walk and then we'll stop tell stories. It's like a it's like a guide, tour guide kind of thing. Yeah. And it was very it was very lovely, at least for me, and I got some good positive feedbacks, uh, feedback from from the people as well. And early this year, uh, I had uh, just just a month ago, I had uh, we had two families who wanted to do this as well, and they are family friends, and so we all arranged to go up to the hill, and I did a similar thing for families. But of course, you know, this is a different crowd with children. I had to, you know, kind of tailor the, the walk, the presentation, you know, tweak it a little bit to suit uh, the audience. And we also had rain halfway and so unexpected things. And, you know, children, sometimes they want to do this and yeah. <laughs> the group, you know, and it's, you know, all that little, little challenges. But again, it worked out really well and... Uh, that's uh, that's my you know, two experiences teaching nature journaling uh, to to two different crowds. I don't know uh, what the future holds, and I I'm not actively looking to uh, you know teach nature journaling. But it's just like oh, if you approach me, if you ask me, then you know I may consider why not, right? <laughs> I started nature and art with uh, Jamie uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and like I say, I like I like to not just share, but I like to learn how to do things. Like when I started, I had no idea how to make reels, and like, what is this? You know, how do I make a reel? And I, you know, my my sister in law, my children have to help me, and sometimes I would do it, and I'm like, is this okay? Is this a reel? You know, and they would give me feedback. The YouTube channel, I, I thought that, uh, okay, I think this is a nice progression uh, at, at this you know stage of journey that I'm in. And I do follow some uh, nature journalists on YouTube as well. And I, I like that then YouTube is very raw and it's mm-hmm. not curated. It's not, it's very, 
it's it's very normal if I could use the word and I like that it's not you know high tech or you know it's not it's not something that I cannot do you know mm. so that really helps me um, try and, and you know push myself to to do it I, I don't know how many people do but that's not the point I just find um, I find it a joy to just share just share what yeah. uh, my journey and to learn new skills as well mm-hmm. how delightful I wonder if there are any final words of encouragement that you would extend to uh, parent educators or other nature journalists who are, are walking the same path as you? I think uh, my first word of encouragement is that you can start anywhere and you can use recycled paper, you can just use a pencil and eraser, whatever you have at home. And it's not about the tools or the materials that you have. It's, it's about the process and, you know, like you say, it's not the product, it's the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, having a commitment to yourself helps. Um, I think I'm a fairly disciplined person, so it helps to put in that pencil mouse, you know, and work, you know, towards getting better just through that daily or weekly practice of uh, nature journaling. And um, for me, uh, what works is doing it alongside with my kids so that it's not a separate activity. And I guess I guess it works for us because time is also a constraint for us. And I uh, we recently started on a nature education program, my kids actually, but I as a parent tag along so that I can learn what they are learning as well. And I find that it's, it's really good because, again, it's a win-win and, and they learn, I learn, and we can come back and talk about some of the things that we learn, you know. And I think that's that's special. And um, a word of encouragement, I think finally what works for me is um, little, little projects that I have for myself. It's just for me, it's just my way of keeping myself going so that I have uh, like short goals, uh, you know, short-term goals to work towards and not like, oh, <laughs> what do I do today yes. you know so uh, that that yeah that I think that's uh, that's some words of encouragement that I would have for your listeners ah oh, Jamie it has been absolutely heart-opening delightful to talk to you you're amazing and I'm so happy to have had this chance to hear your story today so thank you for being part of the podcast Thank you so much, Betten. I enjoyed myself and thank you for asking me really good questions that have, you know, uh, really got me thinking about this and it's really uh, helped me to understand myself better as well. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jamie. I loved her quiet and gentle style and how she described the way she encourages her children to connect with nature through journaling, encouraging but not pushing them and remembering that different people connect with nature in their own different ways and respecting that in her family. During our chat, Jamie mentioned a video series by John Mueller's, which was important for getting Jamie and her family started with nature journaling. This video series is called The Nature Journal Connection and I've put a link to the website of John Muir Laws where you can watch the whole series of 40 videos.
I really appreciated Jamie's comments about tools. The story of buying the imitation paint set and enjoying it and continuing to use it made me smile. Jamie's right, we can get hung up on tools and forget that making marks and gaining pencil miles is what's important. Explore the tools you have and see what they can do. To find out more about Jamie, head to the show notes where you'll find links to her YouTube channel and Instagram page. Also, if you're listening from Malaysia, there's a link to an Instagram group Jamie created called Nature Journaling Malaysia, where you can connect with others. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. <music>